Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? I'm feeling in a mood to accept this mission tonight, JB. Uh, I'm doing very, very well over here in the UK. Uh, it's the middle of July, it's cold, it's wet, it's <laughs> it's London over, that is just London over anything else. But no, I'm doing well. Um, feels like it's been a while since I saw tonight's film, but I've kind of remembered most yeah. of it which is probably a good sign going forward but yeah no busy weekend uh busy since the last episode but i wouldn't have it any other way because it hasn't been a bad busy but how about yourself you keeping florida safe and well yeah you know um getting ready uh i hate saying this but i'm like two weeks out from going back to work basically already oh. which it feels too soon uh summer flies by um but you know uh i also feel like i i, I don't know i'm in that weird like holding pattern where i feel like i should be working but it's not technically my time to start working yet so i'm like anxious and and you know like fighting myself like no no you must relax but it's like no no yes you, you must. gotta do work because if you don't plan you're not gonna be ready but uh, i'm always ready i've been doing this for a long time i already know what i'm doing it's just this that perpetual i could always do more yep. Um, but scatterbrain you and i are both the same we ca we can't just sit still because there's always something in our mind that has to be done uh yep. and it's oh. a blessing and a curse it, it truly is. Um, you know, it, it comes and goes. Uh, you might even say it's a dead reckoning. Um, Ooh. Ooh. That uh, we wear these masks and try to complete these impossible <laughs> missions. Oh, wait. So. <laughs> what are you getting at? I mean, this is going to be a part one of a podcast. Uh, in a couple of years, we'll do part two. Um, because that's okay. how we do things now. Uh, this, Folks, this is the third movie that we're covering this summer that is a part one of at least two parts although there's mm -hmm. some speculation that one of those three might be multiple parts uh -oh. um please looking don't. at you fast x yeah uh, don't, please. <laughs> but that's right folks uh it's time that we talk about the the number one movie stars newest movie we're here to discuss mission impossible dead reckoning part one Starring, uh, I, I'm sorry, sorry, McCory, I should give you credit first. Directed by Christopher McCory, <laughs> written by, a, you know, let's be real. From my understanding, the script is kind of loosey-goosey with these movies. They have, they do the stunts, they can they comprise what they want the stunts to be, and then they, they piece the connective set pieces together yes. um, afterwards. So it's not like a traditional script in that way. That's not to say there isn't like written dialogue and stuff. It, there, in fact, there's one scene where the dialogue is overly written in a most ridiculous fashion that we'll talk about in spoilers. But um, it's let's give credit to the writers, uh, especially given the time that we're in. How rude of me. Bruce Geller, Eric Gendrison and Christopher McCory. Big cast, uh, as you would expect for this level. What number seven of a franchise? Yeah. We got Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby. Uh, Asai Morales, Palm Clementif, and some other people, but that's where we're going to stop. Um, I don't even know if it's worth reading the synopsis. If you've seen a Mission Impossible movie, um, Ethan Hunt and his team find a MacGuffin. That's the thing. That they they got to get the thing to stop the thing. That's the franchise. Um, and that's the IMDb synopsis really literally is basically that. Uh, how are, How's this doing? How are people feeling about this movie? Well, let's see. 96% on the RT critic score. 
well, what about general audience? Well, 94%, so 2% wow. less. But, you know, it's the low-fat milk of the Rotten Tomato <laughs> score. Uh, Metascore, 81. So this is an important distinction because that 81 is high for a yeah. popcorn That's action film. Very high. 8.1 INB user score, which I thought was super weird that it was 81 and 8.1. And then Letterbox, the, the film snob community, 4.0. So this movie's getting a lot of love. It's currently in theaters everywhere. Tom Cruise is encouraging that you go. I just saw uh, a headline that Cruise is also encouraging um, the SAG committee to uh, back up and let the the actors promote their current films, um, mm-hmm. probably because uh, box office. And yeah. uh, they retorted what I saw in the article that uh, they would. Well, if you'll join the picket line, he has yet to respond. I don't think so. Um, um, I think he said he's going to offer alternative ways to support. I think I heard him say. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I I don't know what's right there, but um, we do know Tom Cruise has been a huge advocate for film. Um, mm-hmm. Always has been. That's been a thing, and that's one of the things that I love about him. Despite all of the other crazy stuff associated with Tom Cruise, his passion for cinema matches my own. Um, and uh, I'm wearing a shirt with his ex-wife on it right now, in fact. And uh, now that's commitment. And her love of movies. Um, but uh, one of his ex-wives. Um, nevertheless, I, I have a, a pretty positive relationship with this franchise. This is a franchise since uh, Ghost Protocol. Um, to be fair, I skipped three for a long time. Like I, I saw one. I liked one when I was a kid. Um, Saw 2, thought 2 was ridiculous, although I did like Limp Bizkit's version of Take a Look Around, the uh, Mission Impossible theme, back in when it came out. It kind of mm-hmm. doesn't hold up as well, but I still think the music rocks. Uh, the lyrics are maybe unnecessary. But um, Mission Impossible 2, John Woo, it, it's MTV produced. It That says everything, right? Like, there's doves, there's motorcycle craziness, Tom Cruise has long hair. It, it's, a, it's a relic of its time. I skipped 3 as a result. I was really late to Ghost Protocol, and then I went back to three. I do like three. I love Rogue Nation and Fallout, so I was really, really hyped for Dead Reckoning Part One, and it did not disappoint. That's not to say I think this is a perfect movie. There are some very clear nitpicks I have with the film, but I had such a good time watching this movie. Um, there is so many cool set pieces. Some are the action and stunts that we've come to associate with, especially the Macquarie Cruise collaborations. Um, I think some of those are incredible. One that has been all over the marketing. So if you've seen a trailer for this, you know the big stunt. Um, I think that stunt is phenomenal. I think it's a super fun action set piece. I love how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy the characters in in the Mission Impossible franchise. Specifically, I love Simon Pegg. I'm a huge Simon Pegg fan. And Benji has been the heart and soul of this franchise for me. Um, it's one of the things I think works so well in Rogue Nation is you get Benji and and ethan hunt really getting to work together a lot and some of my favorite scenes i do believe my favorite car chase in the franchise is in rogue nation um with benji driving if i'm not mistaken um or at least Cruz is driving but he's not all there for good reasons but um i had a major fun time with this film and that was what i wanted from it so the mm-hmm. the nitpicks that i have with it did not diminish my love of it. I had a great time, especially I was a little worried about the runtime, especially given that it's a part one. I'm like, why is the part one so long? Um, yeah. We couldn't have just stayed 10 more minutes and knocked out part two. Uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I think they actually, this, I don't think the part one was necessary in the title, 
because I think it feels like Rogue Nation Fallout kind of because those are two parts like those. That's one story, but each piece has its conclusion. And Dead Reckoning has a conclusion. Like, I think it sums up most of the events. There's one thing that's like an overarching element that's going to go into part two. But I feel like we're we're left at a point with part one feeling concluded. And um, I had a blast with this film, man. I, I, I will say there is a glaring error that is real, especially <laughs> if you start breaking down and analyzing, it gets real bad. Uh, but I had such a good time with this movie. I didn't care. And that's, I know we often will like dismiss that. And we are critical of people who use that expression sometimes, but you know, um, I still think this movie is, is functioning overall really well, even though there are some issues. Like, I don't think there's any major like deal breaking issues in this film. There are things that I'm just like, Oh, that's kind of cheesy or that's a little lame. You could have done something a little stronger here or these, the rules that you lay out are inconsistent. And that is something that I do harp on a lot. But man, I had fun with this. Uh, Matt, I actually have no idea if you were on my side with this, even though we saw this two weeks ago. Um, yes. And I wanted to, I was going to try to see it again before we recorded. And I we're, we're covering Fantasia, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so I didn't quite feel like I could justify going mm-hmm. to see a two and a half hour movie I've already seen. Um, especially because I was going to see a three hour movie that we're going to talk about next week. And uh, so I haven't, but I, I really do want to rewatch this. I had so much fun with it. I just, I'd like to see, see it again. But what about you? What were your thoughts on uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1? Uh, thankfully, not a million miles away from yourself, JB. Uh, I too think this film was a lot of fun. And to your point about uh, when we and other people say, you know, is you know it, there there are flaws, but it was a fun time, so that that got me through it essentially. Or paraphrasing, think good thing about Mission Impossible. Certainly, the last you could argue the last four films were definite. Um, certainly, the last three have actually been really good films, as well as being really good fun popcorn films as well. There's whilst they're not uh, it's not Shakespeare or anything like that. They're still, I mean, there, there's a reason why these films are. Ooh, I think again, I think the last three certainly have been in the high nineties critically and with fans on RT because they're really good films as well as being really fun films and dead reckoning part one, which is one of the longest titles I've had to try and type on my website for years. Um, it gave, it gave me a problem trying to sort the fonts out. Uh, it, 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 it follows a trend of mission impossible where it's an upward trajectory or if not upward, it's certainly consistently as good as the last one. I think rogue nation is excellent. I think fallout is damn good fallout is bloody good really really good film um so i did go into dead reckoning part one hoping that it would be as good as fallout and it, it, if it isn't as good as fallout it's five percent less maybe than fallout i'll say that maybe i still think fallout was the better film but i had a good time with dead reckoning part one um uh, like you i think this film does serve as a standalone just as much as it does part of a a two-part um overarching story and if you you know, listen to what Tom Cruise and Chris McQuarrie say. It ain't ending with Dead Reckoning Part Two. They're saying, you know, they, they still want to make more if there's a an appetite for it. So, I mean, I assume that Dead Reckoning Part Two was going to be Ethan Hunt's kind of swan song, but who knows anymore? Um, but for this film, though, very much enjoyed it. Tom Cruise, like he said, Mister Cinema, bit odd off screen, but on screen and in terms of th- the film world. There aren't many better pioneers out there or cheerleaders for the film industry. And in this film, 
he's he's on top form again you know carrying on from top gun maverick as well he's on top form uh he's very likable very affable very watchable character on screen tom cruise and ethan hunt together um and i think the supporting cast are very good as well i think Haley atwell is fantastic and i think she matches tom cruise's energy and charisma on screen uh, pound for pound simon Pegg, like you say it gets more to do or uh has an elevated role i think so again, very watchable, very good. Ving Rhames sadly gets pushed to the side a little bit, but he still you, you still feel like yeah. he's an important part of the team. Um, and and Pom Clementiev, I think she's a fantastic villain, uh, kind of visually and also with her intensity. I kind of believe that she was an absolute nut job, and it really worked for the film. Um, I like, well, I love what they did with her character. I just think it, whilst we're not here for the best actor actress nominations and all that cliche. Everyone here knows the knows the mem- gets the memo. They know the score, and they put on a really good performance. There's nobody phoning in here just because it's a big budget summer blockbuster. No, everyone is in, and that's why I respect the most. You know, Chris McQuarrie doesn't look like the kind of guy who would suffer falls gladly anyway. But everybody is in here. Um, action sequences. There are some very very good action sequences. I do wish one had kind of been left out of the marketing, but I guess yes. that's what they're going to sell the film on. However. When you see it on that big screen and you realise that is just Tom Cruise and it is a one shot to prove it's Tom Cruise. It's, it, you know, it's superb. It's draw, it's draw dropping. It's breathtaking. There's some fantastic train sequences, some great car chases in this, um, some good hand to hand combat. You, you, I know you kind of, your thing is your crutches not following the rules you've set up in your own franchise, which I'm a hundred percent with my one, which is also yours. I do think the film is a little bit too long. I do think certain set pieces went on for just a beat or two too long. But like you said, it doesn't make me think, oh, this is a failure. It was just more that, you know, let, let's keep this momentum going. Where are we going next? And I think we pondered a little bit too much on certain things. Um, so I really, I, I liked an awful lot of that. What I didn't like for the most part was the screenplay. I think the, the dialogue throughout this film Ooh. is really not very good jb without giving any particular examples here on this one episode anyway it's just not great and i and i can already hear people screaming at me it's not that kind of film (laughs) maybe not but it's noticeably expository it's noticeably cheesy clunky and i think there's one i think there's one we can bring up because it's so early in the film but there is a scene where we're getting carrie ellis who is not on our list of of cast but he's in this movie um and he's getting information about imf and like what is it, like six people daisy chain is the term i heard on uh the film cast that i'm gonna steal here is like one character says part of the sentence and then the next character finishes that oh. sentence and it goes like with six people in a row like they've rehearsed this as characters like the before we hey we're gonna tell them all this you say this and then you say this and then you say that it'll be really cool. Like it's the dumbest it's thing in a movie that already asks you to suspend your disbelief for a lot of other things that these people would speak in this manner. And it's, it's because it's really boring. It's really clunky. And to try to make it stylized, this was the decision and it's a bad one. It doesn't it's work. Like it's in return of the Jedi. When everyone's at the uh, Jabba's pit, when they're going to throw Luke Skywalker in the pit and they're all nodding at each other. 
you know, the bit of that Family Guy um, mm-hmm. parody. It's like they were kind of <laughs> waiting, like, you start, no, really? Here we go. Here we go. Now. And they all kind of go. And even in my favourite film, The Exorcist, there is a scene uh, where the doctors are kind of piggybacking off one of each, one, one, one of another. And I that's one thing I think, don't, I, I get why you do it, but but don't do it. Um, yeah, through, throughout, just... The dialogue isn't great, but it's but it's noticeable, it, it, and everyone speaks very seriously as well. You know, very serious tones in their voices, and they really need to extol upon us how important this mission is, and so on and so forth. And it, you know, it, I, I, that kind of was a backward step for the film, I think, as is some of the clear fridging that went on in this film you know, throughout this film, Ooh. was fridging for days. But um, that said, JB. Every film, not, not many films are perfect. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part One isn't one of them. So there's always going to be a nitpick here and there. But I came out of this film like, with vigor. I was revitalized. I drove home yep. at about half eleven in the night and thought, "Cool, if I was Ethan Hunt now, I'd, 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 I'd be speeding down here with the with no lights on and the Mission Impossible theme blaring." Thankfully, I didn't because I'm not Ethan Hunt. But I came out excited. I came out ready for Part Two. Any, any flaws aside, the spectacle, the scope. This is a big film as well. The scope, they 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 globetrot again. You know, the spectacle, the scope, the sequences, the stunts, and the charisma of the performers was more than enough to see me through here, JB. So yeah, bring on part two whenever that may be. Yeah, I'm excited for when it does come out. I, uh, the downside is I think it's going to be a while, um, yeah, given the right. strike, uh, which because i can't imagine they started filming that already um you know media as we know it is in danger uh we'll talk about that i think in our next segment in fact mm-hmm. um so that's it folks our review of dead reckoning park one we will have a spoiler episode dropping in a couple of days um come back for that if you've seen the movie but we don't advise that you listen to it until you've seen the film um mm-hmm. if you haven't seen this go check it out it's really good it's a lot of fun it definitely helps if you've seen the others but i think you could just enjoy the the wild craziness of it all um and and enjoy it as that uh for sure um let's go to our next segment this is chopped headlines uh movie or pop culture news that caught our attention this week um it's impossible being that we are film obsessed and these are film or pop culture headlines that we're not going to talk about what's on everybody's mind right now matt what was your headline uh, yeah, leading in with the the only real story coming out of Hollywood at the minute or the Western film industry. Uh, this is from Entertainment Weekly by Maureen Lee Lenker. Headline, uh, Fran Drescher calls Bob Iger a medieval land baron in response to his SAG-AFRA strike comments. Um, Fran Drescher is the president of the SAG-AFRA union. Um, and Bob Iger, uh, he, he mentioned... The other day he was asked about the actors strike and he said he found it all quite distressing that actors and writers were asking for such unreasonable demands whilst he was sitting on a a gold toilet probably made out of his servants on his twenty five million dollar salary. So and and, you know uh, what Bob Iger has done for Disney and certainly for me for Lucasfilm anyway has been nothing short of fantastic uh, and the industry but. Uh, Fran Drescher here, she says that she says if I were that company, Disney, I would lock Bob Iger behind doors and never let him talk to anybody about this because it's so obvious that he has no clue as to what is happening. And she she called his comments repug- terribly repugnant and out of touch, positively tone deaf, 
and right. I think it served him well. So um, up top, yeah. the obviously the SAG AFSTRA strikes are now uh, going ahead alongside the WGA ongoing. Uh, for me, of course, I stand with the the actors and the writers and everybody who is simply asking to be paid their worth, simply asking to be compensated or recompensed what they are worth and what their work is giving back to the company. I absolutely am I on their side. Um, and Bob Iger, I think he's lost a hell of a lot of goodwill with these absolutely insane oh. comments. Absolutely so, insane so comments. And hey, look, he might be looking at it for uh, Disney are cost cutting in the minute. We all know that Disney are pulling back on Lucasfilm. They're pulling back on Marvel and Pixar because they're not making any money off of them or as much as they want. So they're cost cutting. So maybe he's looking at his bottom line and thinking what these people want. We can't offer them in the minute because we're not making the money. But I don't buy that for a second. Similarly to Netflix canning $30 million on uh masters of the universe and then saying we haven't got enough money to pay our writers and staff i mean this whole the whole situation is very messy we spoke about it very briefly on the Star Wars sessions this week and i think i said it's like this is the wild west now it's going to be a landmark moment for hollywood not necessarily film around the world because in the uk the productions continue because it's actually illegal to take part in these strikes uh so the British productions like House of the Dragon continue with their British cast and crew uh, and other shows. I think Andor has been continuing, but without Tony Gilroy and people like that, for example. Um, but it's, this is going to be a huge moment for Hollywood. You've got the actors and the writers have said no more. What are the studios going to do? Who's going who's gonna, to gonna turn first? Who's going to show the poker face and let it drop first? It's at the end of the day why are people striking because they want to be paid what they're worth there are there's rumors going out that an industry insider said we are going to wait till they're destitute or we're going to wait until they can't afford to pay you their mortgages or their rent and they're thrown out before and then they'll come crawling back to us which you know to be honest I, again i'm actually probably it's probably liable to say that's so why i won't but i could imagine what studio that person works for um but it's disgusting that the whole thing is and you know i have thoughts on the strike as a whole or in terms of the reaction to it and i've again i've said it on on session so i say it here my my kind of big issue on the other side is when the writers were striking hollywood carried on and that included all of the actors all of the pa or pr all of the creators all of the info they all carried on they were saying the right thing but they carried on promoting their films and promoting themselves now that the sag have gone on strike you know everyone is being told well hold on hold your horses you can't be promoting this film or or, sorry you can't be reviewing this film or you can't be talking about film when you know that's what the rest of the world was doing whilst the writers were striking and if you ask me the writers are the ones who damn well deserve every penny that they should be getting because these shows don't exist without these these guys behind it these guys these, these men and women who are writing these shows now that isn't to say that i don't agree with you know you know people are taking paid promotion now but i do think that people need to take a step back and think well hold on where was this intense level of support when the writers simply were striking not just sag as well but uh as for um ms drescher's comments on bob Iger, i am 100 percent behind it i do think his comments are out of line i think they're out of touch especially from the ivory tower up there and they do not do anything to help you know the studio stance on this i'm pretty sure the other studios were probably watching if, if any of them had any decent decency and thought Bob, shut up. This is not, this does not help us along the way. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, um, 
Mr. Escher is absolutely right to call out Bob Iger on this and his silence speaks volumes in what is a tough time and what is something that I think is going to roll on for a good few months yet, JB. So I guess watch this space, but I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. No, and I I agree everything you said, basically, and it, it's it's disturbing to see this because it's not just Hollywood. The beauty of the strikes in Hollywood is that it's going to draw attention to CEOs and bosses and whatnot who are highly paid saying there's no money to pay our employees who do the actual labor, who create the product that we sell. And it's ridiculous that we've gotten to this extreme. Uh, The the, the gap between the people quote unquote in charge and the people who are doing the work um, to give them a job to be in charge of the pay discrepancy is so huge all across the board. I mean, UPS is also striking right now here in the States. Um, this obviously, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tie my article into this. So yeah, we can yeah. just bring this in Ruffalo. Um, it's interesting because the, uh, the headline I pulled the other day was Mark Ruffalo urging actors to jump to independent films and not use the big studios where there's different pay systems and different things in place. Uh, and the, apparently the website that I first saw this headline from is using one link for all of their coverage of the strike because the headline that was up a second ago was about Kevin Bacon joining. And when I clicked on the link, it was now focused on Universal has cut the trees where the people are striking so they don't have shade. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I uh, haven't. Oh, that's disgusting. Universal has literally like basically gone Birkenfield and shaved the heads of all the trees so they have no leaves. So the people striking have no shade to stand under in the hot sun. That is disgusting because people don't like go to universe. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when, if, if you're striking, if you worked at like Walmart and you're striking in front of Walmart, you are potentially stopping customers from going into the store, which Walmart will lose money. But when they're striking in front of a studio, most people aren't going to the studio. Yeah, to, not going to give money to Universal. So, like, let them be in the shade, you evil monsters. Like, what? But anyways, there's so much going on. I I love Ruffalo, and he's uh, he's not advocating that they don't follow the strike rules. He's saying, hey, maybe we should stop letting these big corporations that are, quote-unquote, the studios, be the thing. And I think systemic change is what needs to happen everywhere, um, mm-hmm. in, in whether it's education or UPS or... Or uh, like Amazon, there was there was an attempt at unionizing some of the warehouses not long ago. It's been shut down. It's coming back. It's blah, blah, blah. It's, it's state by state. But we are seeing more and more, especially here in the States. And that, Matt, I know you've had uh, be- between, um, I don't even remember what the thing was called when you guys separated from the... the, the uh, Brexit. The, the, yes, there it is. Um, that's, God, that's been years now. Uh, it, I still <laughs> yes. feel like it was like hearing about it. Um, but I know you, you've had financial str- struggles in Europe as a result or in England as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And we are in the midst of like the worst inflation ever. And I am in the state with the highest inflation rate. Um, and so the, the pay discrepancies are even more noticeable as a result of everything costing more because we have less already. And then it costs more. And so we are struggling in the, 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 the idea of low, middle, and upper class. That middle group is getting thinner and thinner, and it is becoming mm-hmm. less and less of a thing. And that's not new, 
but it's becoming exacerbated by all of the circumstances. And um, the idea of systemic change is what Ruffalo is pushing for. I think, I think that's like the heart of his message is like, what if like, and in fact, I, Steven Soderbergh, and then you have Sean Baker who have kind of set the, the they've ex- shown you don't need to have a billion dollars to make your movie and you don't need to have a studio backing you. Um, there are so many ways to make movies. And if, if the studios, if we stopped using the studio systems to make the films, the movies would look different. And obviously the distribution model would also have to change, but it, it is possible now for filmmakers to take that into their own hands. Chaplin tried to do this with other uh film lovers and actors and stuff with United Artists back in the day. United Artists exists now, but I think in a much more different form. But they tried to like take ownership of their films. I think it's much more feasible now with the way things are and how distribution could be um, to phase, you know, these producers out of it. Make them the 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 ununionized small class and see uh, directors and actors and writers and all of the other crews um, step in. And of course, as much as I am, but with SAG and with, uh, the WGA, um, let's not forget about the ununionized, uh, visual effects crew who have been victimized time and time and time again, that that needs to change too. Like there's a lot, the, the whole system has been flawed, but now is an opportunity to really take the reins and, and improve it. Um, and hopefully improve our, or art. I mean, so many people complain about movies being the same thing or blah, blah, blah. That's the studio system yeah. at work. It's people who are out of touch with what audiences actually are into making the decisions, deciding who gets the finances, who gets to do things. Let's, let's burn it down, man. Let's start over. Let's try again. Um, it doesn't have to be that way just because it's always been that way. And, you know, I, I hope we see something major happen without the loss of the things we love. Like I, I would love the actors to figure out a way to organize and make movies on their own terms and figure out maybe, you know, it, it has to be feasible that they could sell digital copies, not through voodoo, not through iTunes, but like just through a website where we pay PayPal them, you, think? you know, 10 bucks and we get to watch the movie. Like it's not ideal, obviously for filmmakers like Nolan or, or Scorsese who want the, th- well, Scorsese's done a lot of streaming now, so maybe I'm wrong yeah. about that one. But you know, Nolan and uh, Villeneuve, who want the big screen experience, maybe we we have to sacrifice that for now. But maybe not. There's a lot of art house theaters that still exist, so I don't know. Maybe Ruffalo's goal, and maybe I'm reading into his comment too much, but I'd love to see a shift in how movies are created, and I think they could do that on their own you know even if they just start doing some shorts man like they're they're all there you've got like the best actors in the world standing together let's get you know Soderbergh, grab your iphone let's get this let's make this happen you know let's do it, it. does this isn't it but anything that can get these greedy son of a out of the studio system because you know that the whole universal cutting trees down bob Iger's comments uh and the others you're hearing about people making people homeless what the hell is going on you know, I, yeah. I know that humanity is a wreck at the minute. We all know that, but then this is getting beyond the joke now. To come out and it, it, it's you've drawn the line, and you really are camping uh, down on your side of it. Look at something yeah. like um, the creator coming out, JB, the new Gareth Edwards film. That looks insanely good, fantastically good. Budget eighty-seven million, eighty-six million dollars. You know, 
that to me looks like it's a 200 million dollar film but they've done it for under a half the cost and to a a lesser extent look at my favorite genre horror they make they, they, yeah. yeah they can make very very effective films and obviously Blumhouse you know they you get five million dollars and you make them fifty and you're laughing but even sort of the higher budget horror films you're looking at your Halloweens maybe sort of thirty forty fifty million they're making bank they're making money back still it's a profitable genre why because they're not throwing silly money at it they they're getting the right people in there is there's almost like in the community there is almost like these kind of ethics that you follow which is practical if you can do it or keeping the spirit alive and it's cheaper and more effective than senselessly using cgi and if you ask me cgi is getting worse nowadays because there's such an over-reliance on it and like you said jb the poor people who are being thrown to the wolves do me a marvel do me a star war do me a dc or whatever you've got three weeks to do three months work pay what's that get on with it and you know it's uh, people are being worked 18 hour days and it shows because the CGI is the old animation is not as good. Now the you know I'm looking at Marvel just not to not to crap on them, but the last few films I think has been dreadful in terms of CGI. Whereas I look at some of the films from Phase this from the Infinity Saga, I get mixed up in phases, and I think some of the CG in that is excellent. It looks really it looks incredibly good. I mean, look at Thanos for example, and and Infinity War and and going on to End Games. Like some of the effects in that are. A bonkers good, and their budgets aren't much different to an Ant Man, to a Doctor Strange in the multiverse and madness and all that. You just wonder what's changed, my man. But yeah, I, I you know, I, I hope and pray that they can get this sorted as soon as possible, but only for yeah. the benefit of the people who need it, not for the benefit and of the studios. There was an article I didn't link it here, but there's an article out there. It's like uh, SAG is making some exceptions. Like there's two A twenty four films I think are going to be allowed to keep filming. Um, because of the the nature of the, how that studio is set up and things like that. So there are going to be some productions still happening, yeah. but a lot of things have shut down. We don't know how long. And that's the scariest part of this whole thing is a strike when active negotiations are happening isn't terrifying. A strike when the when ne- when one side, the side that is essentially causing the strike, isn't bringing anything to the table, isn't willing to discuss and has had, had someone say they're going to wait until they are poor and and out of work essentially or out of homes it's a scary sign of how long this could last um i know fran drescher i think said that they're red the actors are ready to strike until january um before like getting it like without active negotiations on the table so it's concerning but i do hope um i hope hollywood just accepts that like if you're paying your producers 29 million dollars or 29 billion i don't know how much Iger's making it's a lot yeah. Um, pay pay him less, and take some that money. Films and three hundred million pound dollars. I'm looking at you, Indy Five, which I dug, but there's no way in hell should that film or any cost three hundred million or two hundred and fifty million or even two hundred million dollars to make. I mean, we 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 talk about, and you and I do it. You know, we're guilty of this as well as anybody else. We go, we very flippantly talk about budgets. Oh, that's a two hundred million dollar film. Oh, that's a two hundred fifty as if that isn't a you know the amount of money that could you know change the world <laughs> could help end world hunger and poverty if you make for like four films worth or five films worth um it's a huge you know they they've got to look the studio system is rotten it's it's broken 
films are being made for this much money. They're not making money back. There are cuts being made. People are being worked, uh, overworked, underpaid. You've got the wrong people in the wrong places in terms of the higher uppers who just, um, you know, Warner Brothers being one of them. Like, what the hell is happening there? Um, and all the subsidiary companies throughout. And it's not just them. It's all of them, mostly. There's so much going on, and you, you kind of struggle to see the wood through the trees a bit because where what what is it going to take to end all this? Because not to beat the dead horse or such, but when when this is all done with, you know, when when the strikes one day is over and an agreement is reached, what's going to change? You know, what is going to change in the industry? That's what I'm most kind of, ang- you know, ex- I say excited for, but also anxious about. Like, are we going to see any tangible change, or is it going to be almost business as usual? Because it's not feasible to go ahead with these budgets and these wages anymore as well for these higher uppers and, and, and you could also throw that at someone like harrison ford why why, why are we paying harrison Ford 20 million dollars for a film or 25 when maybe he's not the big name star he was or you know not not to crap on again harrison ford it's just the first name that came to mind um you know there, there's something we need to look at What's going on here, JB? But, you know, it, it feels like, I think I heard somebody say the other day, it feels like 2020 all over again, which it does. And not to make light of the pandemic, but we're going to see a knock-on effect, not just obviously in, in contractual uh, ways or the studio system, but with the movie calendar, which may be not the most important thing at the minute, but the calendar will be affected by this. So uh, when, just as we thought we were coming out of the darkness, it looks like we're going to be thrown back in again, but at the end of the day, it's for the greater good. And that's what we all need to uh, hold on to, I think. Yep, folks. Uh, obviously, we are not experts on no. the strike or like on all of the inner workings. These are just our thoughts and comments and what we're reacting to articles. That's what this whole section is. But, you know, um, if you aren't keeping up with it, if you're not watching, uh, I think you should. Because most likely, in some way, this will affect you. What You know, we don't know what... Um, the future will hold. I do want to point out one thing I have seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people were boycotting, like they were canceling streaming services or like, I'm not going to go see these movies. Um, don't do that. That has been from SAG. That's not, they have not called for a boycott um, right now. Like canceling streaming services isn't going to help them get the compensation they're looking for. Cause the streaming services will use the, the loss of uh, subscribers as a reason to justify them, not paying them more. So, as of now business as usual as far as like buying your entertainment consume it the way you would normally consume it or if you want to you know maybe go to the theater a couple extra times to show that we do support um your movies but like they have pay attention though if there is a call for a boycott and you want to participate cool but don't don't do it thinking you're helping because it sounds like in fact we might be hurting and so just as a a case with that and why we're going to continue to review the films um, for now, if if there was a call to stop promoting stuff uh, from us, we would have to discuss it and figure out what if how we want to contribute. But as of right now, BAMP is uh, moving along as expected. Yeah, it's it's murky, but SAG are putting out guidelines. And as far as I know at the minute, it, 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 as long as you're not taking part in paid promotion, then film criticism as it because it is a personal individual opinion or in our case a double is it doesn't in any way impact support of course we support but we're not getting paid by anyone to do this um or we're not getting paid to influence our decisions so as far as i'm aware it's business as usual until the end of time unless of course something drastic does change yep 
in which case we will keep you informed. But for yes. now, we're still consuming media. So let's get to media consumption. These are movies, TV shows, podcasts, uh, books, uh, video games, anything we use to pass the time between episodes. Matt, what have you been consuming, sir? Um, a lot which I can't really talk about, but the ones that I can talk about, uh, in terms of um, other criticisms and critiques, I've been watching and listening to the Double Toasted show uh, on YouTube and Spotify and the, the horror show on Spotify as well, getting my horror um, appetite quenched somewhat there. Uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, I've got a new book here. I've got... Um, from the guys at Penguin UK, Random House UK, uh, they send me all the new Star Wars books. Meant to do it early. This one came on the day of release, so you know, good luck getting a review out for that. But I'll try. Uh, but I've just started it. It's called Inquisitor: Rise of the Red Blade. Which can't say I'm a fan of the title, but from what I've read so far, I'm a fan of the book. It feels very much like um, a prequel novel. Um, the ones written by kind of Matthew Stover back in the day. So uh, very much enjoying that so far. Uh, and in terms of films, JB, uh, one I can definitely talk about and I'm happy to is the Netflix film called They Cloned Tyrone, which I know you've Woo. seen as well. This is uh, Joel Taylor's feature directorial debut. And it's a film that stars John Boyega, Jamie Foxx and Tayona Paris, amongst many others, in this kind of sci-fi mystery thriller, comedy action, black exploitation um, film now none of that should work as a um as a as a complete as an overall that, that those genres shouldn't work but somehow joel taylor makes it work and they clone they clone tyrone as an absolute blast of a film really really enjoyed it the the three leads there are superb their chemistry together is fantastic and you know, so believable uh john boyega is an absolute superstar of british acting i really think he's so good in this uh, believably American as well, whereas uh, not all. Uh, I, I, you know, when it, when I've heard his American accent before, I thought, yep, I can I can buy it. But here, if you didn't know who he was, you'd assume he was an American actor. He's that good. Uh, Jamie Fox is is got charisma for days, and Tony Paris is wonderful. It's a firecracker performance. Uh, really funny film. Loved the mystery. Loved the social commentary and thematic elements to it. I think it ended on such a ridiculously strong note. Uh, it's almost unfair that this is a directorial debut because the guy's got to come out and, you know, match or top this next time round. But it's, it's a very, very good calling card for the, for the director, Mr. Taylor there. So yeah, they clone Tyrone comes out at the end of this week. I believe if you're listening on release date, check it out, you know, go, go support. They clone Tyrone and Joel Taylor's directorial debut. Um, uh, I also saw the new Nicholas Cage film, and uh, Sympathy for the Devil, Nick Cage, and uh, Joel Kinnaman. I uh, don't think I can talk about that at the minute, so all I'll say is I've seen the film. It's a film that has is being theatrically released in the next few days. Um, and then, like John said, we are covering the Fantasia Film Festival, so I've seen more films than I'd like to admit, I think, because uh, I've had time to do so. And we're going to cover those over the next few weeks uh, how we're going to do that again uh, fully remains to be seen but in terms of the reviews you'll hear the majority of them on this show or on the um, bloody awesome movie podcast socials which we'll give out later on but yeah I've, I've seen an, an, an awful lot I, uh, I, I would read them out but we may be here all day Oh, but I, and I can't even say whether they're good or bad or not because 
that is the nature of the embargo. So all I'll say is I've seen about 11, maybe more. I think there's probably more. I don't think that list is complete films so far. So yeah, been very busy with the Fantasia films, JB. I know you have as well. Uh, and I know you've seen a few other things this week as well, but that's, that's kind of my bag. What about yourself though, my friend? Well, uh, as usual podcast, uh, listen to blank check and a few others, but the blank checks, the one that I spend time discussing, um, in the middle of the park Chan Wook, uh, series, I have now, uh, they just did their lady vengeance, uh, sympathy for nice. lady vengeance and or lady vengeance, depending on where you are. Um, have you ever seen that? Uh, I have not, but I would like to see, I've heard it's very decent. It's very, very good. Uh, it's, yeah. it's wild and it's dark, but, um, have you seen old boy? Oh yeah. Okay. The original. Um, so, and then have you seen Mr. Vengeance or that one actually is sympathy for Mr. Vengeance? Uh, no, I haven't seen that one. Okay. So that's the, it's the vengeance trilogy. They are unrelated outside of the fact that they're all about vengeance. Um, <laughs> vengeance. I don't know why old boys call it old boy, to be honest, uh, comparatively, but, um, I, I think I like lady vengeance the most. Uh, it's, it's wild. Like it, uh, and there is, I didn't know this when I was watching it, uh, but I learned from the podcast that there is, um, the version I saw, which is on Mubi, M-U-B-I, um, yep. uh, I think it's called the fade to white version where at, at a certain point in the film, it goes to black and white, um, instead of color. And it's kind of a gradual, like, like, Oh, look, it's completely desaturated almost. Um, and apparently there's another version where it doesn't do that. I, I really like that it did that. So I don't know what the other version's like, but, um, is there a reason for it? Yeah, it makes, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I don't want to get into why, um, uh, but yes, it makes, a, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Okay. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense thematically more so than, than anything else. But, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, uh, I, I have an audible subscription right now and um, I was struggling to decide like what to read. I I've been doing a lot of like nonfiction about film and I'm kind of, I just wanted something more fiction based. And so um, I started thinking, well, what movies are coming out that have a book that I haven't read yet. And uh, I read literally read uh, the original trilogy of the hunger games, which I really like the first book. The second book's okay. I think mocking Jay is terrible. <laughs> and I also think both movies are terrible. Yeah, um, great, and I really think part one did not need to have its own movie because that first half of the book is boring. and has nothing going on. Um, and the movie subsequently is exactly that. Uh, so when I heard that they did a prequel and it was still Suzanne Collins, who I, I think is maybe not a great writer. Um, I mean, she wrote a great book, but that doesn't make you a great writer, right? Like sometimes you get lucky. Um, 50 shades of gray. Hunger Games, uh, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is coming out later this year. Uh, Rachel Zegler is is one of the leads who I have become a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided I would uh, listen to this book. And I'm glad to say it's it's much better than Mockingjay. Um, I, I still think it. you see, like, I made a joke to some friends that there's, she repeats. There, so there's 12 districts. Each district has two people in the Hunger Games. So that's 24 people. And then in this book, because this is a prequel book, uh, there are every Hunger Games person has a mentor. So there's 24 mentors. So 48 names, three times the entire list of names is read out. No, oh, screw that. And I'm like, that's that's when the publisher says you have a word count and you're you just trying right to fill yeah. his face. Um, but 
but the actual story and stuff is really compelling. Now, the, the big risk, the big swing of this book is that your main character is young President Snow before he's president. But you, if you've seen the movies or read the books, you know he's awful. So you're like, am I supposed to like feel empathy for him here? What's going to happen? And I think the book does a really cool job of making that character compelling and and making you, the, the listener and or soon-to-be viewer, uh question your own allegiances for a minute like i don't want to like this guy he's awful um but i think it's really well done i'm actually excited for the movie much more excited also i i totally get why they cast rachel zegler because her character sings um a lot (laughs) okay i really hope they hire someone to write better songs than susan collins wrote in the book uh because some of the songs in the book are real bad um it could be, to be fair, the audiobook, the guy reading it didn't know how to, like, read the songs. <laughs> and so maybe he just doesn't have the right rhythm to them or something. But I really hope they hire someone to write the songs. But Zegler has proven she's a tremendously talented she's singer. So fantastic voice. I've listened to many audiobooks, JB, even recently, where the book is, or the story is great, but the the person reading it, isn't and i've read some recently where the, where the guy called mark thompson is fantastic at doing the voices excellent but i've read others who aren't and it it, it does kind yeah. of ruin not ruin it does put a dampener somewhat on the overall experience yeah um i will say i just listened to good omens um and the the i don't know who the reader was on that one but he is he is doing all the voices like he's insanely good like he's have a look every now. character has a different voice and if you've read good omens there are so many characters in that that book um he's tremendous and i thought the reader was overall good in hunger games not perfect but uh for for the ballad of songbirds and snakes um but yeah the the singing parts he, he didn't try to sing but like you know it's supposed to be a song and you're like this is this is bad um like the lyrics are bad like that doesn't really rhyme like and i'm just like that's probably the, the writer's fault but who knows um movie wise i actually have not watched as much movies as i usually do because of fantasia so i won't talk about what i've seen for that just yet because we're under embargo still but um i did watch lady vengeance uh which i said i saw in movie highly recommend and one i'm not going to say much about because we're going to talk about it next week but i got to see oppenheimer <laughs> last night my review is up uh, so there's no secret. If you want to know what I thought, you can go to BerkReviews.com and read my review of Oppenheimer. It is spoiler free. I did it blow you man, away, John? It did, dude. I am a Nolan fanboy. I have said that pretty much everything. Yeah. I, I think I, I love most of his movies to some degree. I have Tenet's the only one I've only seen once. Uh, maybe Insomnia. Um, and well, and Following, but like you know, yeah, yeah Following's. I like following it. It's, but I, I don't feel it's the need good, to rewatch but, it. Yeah. I do want to rewatch Tenet at some point. I just haven't felt like doing it. Um, I wasn't a fan of that. I, I liked it enough. Um, I, I love his weird, like time stuff. Like I, I'm into all of that. And uh, he employs a lot of the stuff we've seen him do, but it, it, it almost feels like those were all rehearsals for this movie. Okay. Um, so uh, I won't say anything else, but I, I did love it. Um, I'm definitely really, really up on it. I'm waiting to see. I haven't seen the, the RT score drop yet. I did see Barbie's doing really well, um, which I, I haven't seen yet, but wait. I'm hoping to see tomorrow. 
Well, they had the uh, the UK. I mean, Oppenheimer's actually had three showings over here in the UK. Um, I was due to go to one of them, but uh, as on the same day as Barbie, which would have actually been a massive help because getting back and forth to London isn't cheap. Um, but uh, I, I I spent the day with my daughter instead, which is always going to be priority. But uh, I wish I could have said I'd joined you in, in watching Oppenheimer and Barbie. But my man, I've got my ticket to Barbie Friday. I've got a ticket to Oppenheimer Saturday. I'm ready, and 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 if it's been recommended, then give it to me. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting. This, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about this next week, but I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing your thoughts as well. Um, oh, and then TV, I did finish uh, Poker Face, the Ryan Johnson TV series. Oh, yes, um, Matt, you still haven't watched episode eight after all of that hype I gave it. Blame Fantasia, Fantasia. Oh, That's right. Yeah. Well, um, I. I love the show. I think episode eight is my favorite, but that's just because there's some stuff in it that I'm like, wow. Um, uh, it's such a good show. I don't think the finale is great, um, but I think it does set up season two. We are getting season two at some point who knows when. Um, and I, I but I, I am a big fan. If you haven't seen poker face, definitely recommend it is on Peacock. Um, and surprisingly, I think, Oh, did I mention video games? I know I skipped over the games. Um, you didn't mention that. I have been obsessively playing Midnight Suns uh, on PS5, yeah. um, Marvel Midnight Suns. I really, I've never played a game quite like it um, in terms of its combat. I know it's like supposed to be like XCOM. I've never played that. This is the my first experience. I've really gotten into the combat of the game. Um, and the weird friend mechanic of the game where you have to like build friendships with the Marvel characters there's something kind of cool about like talking to Wolverine and trying to make him like you. Like, it's like, ah. that's weird. I like it. it um, and then uh, I have to, I have to mention this um, on a previous episode. I gave a lot of crap to uh, my editor, David, uh, for not <laughs> playing uh, multiplayer games that he convinces me to buy and then never actually plays. He has made a concerted effort to play dead Island too. So we've actually uh, multiplayed dead Island two a couple of times to be fair. He's tried more than I've, I've been willing to play because I have like a bedtime. Like at some point I'm just like, it's bedtime. I'm going to bed and he'll be like, text me like right when I lay down and be like, Hey, you want to play dead Island for an hour? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm in bed already. Uh, and he'll be like, ah, oh, come on. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I am tapped out. Like that's at a certain point. I just, I'm not a functioning person anymore. So, uh, but I have played that a few times, uh, with him and it's been a blast. It's a really fun game. Um, I do hope to beat it uh, at some point, and I'm planning on starting uh, Jedi Survivor and Dead Space, uh, the re- remastered or re-released version at some point in the near future. And I apparently have a copy of Street Fighter VI coming from uh, a video game rental service uh, that I've been wanting to try. I'm not a huge Street Fighter fan, but I used to be. Like when I was a kid, so, you know, before Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter was my jam. And then yeah. Mortal Kombat came out and I completely jumped ship and went Mortal Kombat. And then I jumped ship and went Killer Instinct, but eventually came back to Mortal Kombat. And um, I, I was, and Tekken was always there. Like I always liked Tekken a little bit, but I uh, pretty much the, the fighting system for the Street Fighter games never felt comfortable to me after those other games. Those other games feel much more fluid and natural, but I want to give Street Fighter six a chance. It looks like fun. And so I figured why not? So eventually I'll play that. But um a lot of gaming this summer. It's been a it's been a summer of gaming, but I did get a PS5, so that's probably a major factor in that. But I made the most of that, JB. It ain't cheap. It ain't 
cheap. Uh, that is a understatement if I've ever heard one. Although I did trade a bunch of stuff in to get mine, so it was cheaper than it could have been. <laughs> um, but it still ain't cheap. Um, mine wasn't because I took my PS4 into to to trade, and I maybe it's on me. I knew that it was a bit dodgy in terms of it, uh, PS4 users will know what this may may empathise, but it would just beep at me and it would just eject the disc randomly and it would just boop, 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 boop. And it would do that nonstop till you, till you literally pull the plug out. So I took it into the, uh, to the, the store hoping to get like 150 quid off the, the um, PlayStation. But uh, I got back in and they were like, yeah, this, this doesn't work. It just get beeping at us. And I just thought if you could have just not beeped for 10 minutes, you would have saved me oh, 150 man. pounds. But, uh, so I have a PS4, which doesn't work. I don't even know where it is somewhere, but, uh, yeah, so I, like you, I went to trade it, but in terms of the BAMP boys, you uh, you came out better then. And I'm still waiting for the BAMP to be created on WWE 2K3. Yeah, I have I have yet to do a creative player on. I've just been using the existing wrestlers, but I'm waiting. Um, maybe one day I'll feel like sitting and actually going through those the process. No. Sometimes it's it's cathartic, and other times it's like, why do I have to pick every decision? It's like too many choices. Yep. Um, but. That's it for this episode. Uh, and before we go, we have to check in with each other to make sure we're doing everything we can to stay bloody awesome. So, Matt, I need to know, what are you doing to stay bloody awesome this week? Uh, I'm not actually doing anything, JB. Other people have done it, oh. but it's an awesome honor nonetheless. And I can say this now because uh, it's been plastered all over social media. But um, I became an uncle for the third time this week. Oh. Um, my My brother and his partner gave birth to a young uh young boy so i've got a new nephew um just in case i won't won't mention the name just in case but um very very excited to uh be an uncle again i haven't met the uh the young prince yet but i'm hoping to in the next day or so but um yeah very very excited so obviously uh big congrats to my brother and his partner very exciting news and yeah, that that was it pretty much for me. I mean, there's been other things, but I mean, what what, what tops such good news like that? So I haven't really. I've been I've been able to sit up and put my feet up, and everybody else do the hard work in that regard, JP. But uh, uh, it's very exciting news nonetheless. So um, it's bloody awesome, and that's pr- that is it for me, JB. It's very short and simple, like me. <laughs> that is it for this week, JB. But how about yourself? How have you been staying bloody awesome? Um, I had a fun encounter. I went grocery shopping um, and nice. often I go grocery shopping, trying to avoid crowds and people and whatnot. Um, and this particular time, uh, not once, but twice I got stopped by people who know me. And um, one was a husband and wife who I've known for a few years. I've, I've taught two of their children and one of them just recently graduated. And that's what they stopped to tell me um, to thank me and to uh, say how much of an impact I've had on their daughter. So much so, this was one of my favorite stories ever. Uh, The day before I ran into them, they had driven about an hour to go see past lives because of my influence on their daughter. She like insisted she needed to see this movie. Closest theater was in uh, like three towns over and she had to see it. Um, And I liked it. Uh, they did. They all loved it, and uh, of course, it was a, it was a positive thing. It would have been terrible had they hated it. But yeah. um, and then we talked about past lives for a minute, which is what are the odds of getting to talk to someone in my area, especially because again, past lives is at least an hour away. I drove almost an hour to see it a few weeks ago. So, uh, getting to have a conversation in a local grocery store about that movie is a cool encounter to have, especially because they only saw it because of my influence um, in a positive way. Uh, I encourage 
art and and film obviously all the time and then uh a few they you know we talk for a few minutes and they they run off and i see them talking to someone that i also know because i've worked with uh previously (laughs) and like i slapped that person on the shoulder hey man um how's it going and then a few minutes went by i was about to finish up and they that person came and found me and we talked for a, a while as well and it was um you know uh since covid it still feels weird um to be like social like i'm still like getting like back into that uh like i've i've gone to a lot of things now but it it's been a slow you know easing back into like social interactions and i don't think i've had that in a in a while where like i stopped and had like a long conversation in the middle of a store or whatever um so it it, it was cool it was it was a positive interaction a good thing to have happen um, you know, you, you live a long time and you start realizing how many, uh, people you've interacted with and that you don't see all the time that, you know, like the person I work with, we haven't worked together really for several years. Um, so, but like, I still know them and I, I very much think highly of them. And so, you know, getting to have that conversation with someone, otherwise I maybe wouldn't have talked to you for a while. It was cool. It was a, it was a good encounter. And it, I left the grocery store, uh, with groceries and um, heightened spirit. So it was a positive interaction. Uh, be, being slapped on the back on the shoulder by John Burke is like being touched by the hand of God. So uh, sounds bloody awesome <laughs> to me. Jeez. Oh, the overhype <laughs> is, is real. Um, so uh, that's our episode, folks. Um, we Again, this week we talked Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. We're going to have a spoiler episode drop in a couple days. But next week, we're going to break format actually for next week two listeners because we're not just reviewing one movie we're reviewing two movies because Ooh. we can't we can't choose they're too big um and some people have been merging them into one barbenheimer uh movie but we're just going to call it what it is we're going to be reviewing both barbie and oppenheimer which means we're probably going to cut one of our other segments just for time mm-hmm. uh so we might not have a headline next week. We may not have media consumption next week. We'll see how everything flows, but we are 100% going to talk about both Barbie and Oppenheimer full reviews next week on the episode. Um, Unless for some reason, Matt can't see one of the two movies, but Oh no, I'll I'll be there. I'm there. I've got to say tickets booked. I'm there. I'm, you know, I've got my Kennedy raging. I've got my Oppenheimer-ness ready. I'm there, JB. And uh, so if you are ready, listeners, that's what we're doing next week. Barbie and Oppenheimer, one episode, both movies. Um, We'll probably do a combined spoiler episode as well with both movies. Uh, Maybe we'll do two separate. Who knows? Uh, We've never done this since we've started this format. So we're going to wing it. But uh, it's too big of a weekend to skip one of these movies because we're hyped for both of these. Um, I can at least say for one of them, the hype was real uh, for me. I'm hoping the hype is real for the other as well. Um, looking forward to seeing it. I wish I could have seen it, uh, but the studios messed with the critics this time around and didn't give us the opportunity to see both um, yeah. here at least. So with that though, folks, you can follow us on social media on Instagram and threads. If people are still, I keep forgetting threads is a thing. Um, bloody awesome movie pod uh, Twitter. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Uh, on Facebook, you can just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Remember, we are a Rotten Tomato approved podcast, so you check out our ratings there. I think for Mission Possible, it's two thumbs up. Um, that's yeah. not how it works there, but that's what we're doing. Um, 
individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and just search for What I Watch Tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd, and there you'll find all of mine and John's. Fantasia Reviews coming up. Yes, uh, we will be talking in Fantasia full in the coming weeks. And of course, tons of reviews will be uh, posting when we can. We are under embargo um, for release dates, so we can't talk about movies until they've played at the festival. So just kind of follow both of our sites to see our, our thoughts. Um, unfortunately, the festival is only in person this year. So again, uh, if you aren't in Montreal, you probably can't see a lot of these movies, although some of these movies are getting theatrical releases around the yeah. same time as the festival. Talk to me being one of them. So keep your eyes out for our reviews and what we're getting to see from the festival. If you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast, we ask that you take just a moment of your time and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen to the show with that. We encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood,